Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. I want to show you in the book of Romans, chapter 1, that Paul understood this whole concept of the gospel being available to everyone. But he goes and quotes Habakkuk, and he says it is the righteous man verse 17, the end of it, but it is the righteous man that shall live by faith. By righteous, we mean in right standing with God. To be in right standing with God, you just have to believe him when he says, I want to give you a gift so that you can receive the gift and accept it. And so Paul's saying, salvation's for everyone. It's the power of God, the gospel is, to all men who believe. But then his quote from Habakkuk says, But the proud man, the proud man, his heart is not right within him. So in contrast to the righteous man living by faith, there's a proud man. A proud man, it says, that heart is not right within him. Whenever we become proud, we don't even see it sometimes. We become blind. It's like spiritual blinders go up. And there can be a lot of things going on. We can be doing things wrong, but we're so proud, we don't see it. And the Bible teaches that God is opposed to the proud. James writes, but he gives grace to the humble. Because the Bible tells us he'll strongly support us if we do that. Well, here in Romans chapter 2, Paul has just said, the righteous men shall live by faith. Now, what about the unrighteous man? The one that is not in right standing with God. Paul is now going to address that. In verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools instead, and they exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed creatures and crawling creatures He said, therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their heart, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored amongst them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they went to serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. He says, there's an exchange that has happened in the unrighteous person's mind. They have traded in serving the one who created everything for serving the creation, the creature. By the way, we don't want to make that mistake. Don't ever serve the creation. Serve the guy who created it, right? That's a real step down if you think about it. Some guys are like, yeah, but pastor, I got this piece of wood. We carved it into this little statue. It's got a big belly, and we worship it, and it's our God. If you read the Old Testament prophets, they would rebuke you. They'd say, is it able to speak? It has ears carved on it. Does it hear? You know, it has eyes on it. Does it see? Does it answer? The prophet, I love this. He says, you fools. From the same piece of wood you carve an idol that you worship, 
And then you take the extra chunks of wood, and what do they do? They use it for firewood to keep them warm. And they're like, oh, God, you're such a great God. You have just exchanged this glorious, marvelous creator of all things for a chunk of wood in creation. You know, a piece of a tree or a piece of a rock. Turn with me to Exodus 20, would you? I want to show you, as far as no-nos go, this is a biggie. And Paul is writing to a group of believers. Were they all Jewish believers over there in Rome, do you think? No. So he's got a lot of Gentile believers, and a lot of them don't know the Jewish scriptures at this point in history. They don't know the Ten Commandments. That was a kind of exclusively Jewish club thing. Well, in Exodus chapter 20, the very first commandments, what Paul is telling us is really he's summing up in the Jewish way of saying it, he's commenting, in-depth commentary on the Ten Commandments, the very first one. Let me show it to you. He says, then it says in Exodus 20, verse 1, then God spoke all these words. He said, first command, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Very first command, you don't get to trade him in. You don't trade the creator of everything in for another God. The second command is you should not make for yourself any idol, any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. But to those who love me, he shows loving kindness to the thousandth generation, thousands generations, he says, to those that love me and keep my commandment. We're to worship him who created all these things. And now Paul knew this, but he's got to remind the church at Rome, guys, this is an important thing. You know, the unrighteous, they don't live by faith. And he starts to explain what happens when they don't. Even though he says in verse 20, back to Romans, I'm sorry, chapter one, he says, verse 21, even though they knew God, he says, they didn't honor him as God, nor did they give thanks. We give thanks to the Lord because he's good. And he says, and they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Whenever we don't acknowledge God for who he is, a darkness, a veil comes over our eyes. Oh, we think we're wise. He says, professing to be wise, they become fools instead. And I think, really, it's probably easier for people that live in cities, concrete jungles, I call them, where they don't see the marvel of creation around them. They're just hemmed in by sidewalks and pukey fumes of cars. And it's maybe harder for them to see his invisible attributes all around. You got to get them out. Take them on one of those nature walks and say, look around at this. Who made this? Because they're so used to looking at buildings that men have made, and they start to make that the frame of reference, and they become, well, Paul's going to say it, they exchange this glory of an incorruptible God for something that is not glorious at all. And they serve the creature rather than the creator. Now, for this reason, Paul says there's a digression that begins. Whenever you trade God for another God, 
or you begin to worship a false idol, you may not even recognize it, but there will become a change in your personality. There'll become a change in your outlook. There'll become a change in the whole way you perceive life. And you'll change what you live for. When you recognize God as your creator, it gives you purpose. It gives you the right reason to live. Man, I'm, I'm living to please him. We just sang it. He has shown the old man what is good. What does the Lord require of us? Three things. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. He's shown us what to do. Do justly means do what is just, what is right in the sight of God. And love mercy. Man, there's nothing more beautiful than a person that has a heart of mercy. You know, I love to be around those merciful people. When you're around them, you just like, oh, there's a sweetness for your soul. It just encourages you. And the last one that he's shown us that we have to do. When men say, I don't know what God wants me to do. You tell them, he already told us. Micah 6.8, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. But if you don't want to do those things, and you don't want to acknowledge the creator, you want to serve the creation, he says this is what will happen. He'll give them over to degrading passions. The women will exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. The men will in the same way abandon the natural function of the women and burn in their desire toward one another. Men with men, he says, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just, he says in verse 28, as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness and greed, evil, full of envy, murder and strife and deceit and malice. He says they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding. They're untrustworthy. They're unloving, unmerciful. He's shown us where to love mercy. But the ones who don't follow him, isn't it interesting? He says, they become unmerciful, without mercy. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those that practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, this is important for you to pay attention, you might want to highlight the last part of this verse. They don't only do these things, but it says they give hearty approval to those that practice them. They're never going to pat you on the back if you're not joining their club. But if you happen to sin in the manner that they sin, you're unmerciful, you're boastful, you're evil, you're disobedient to your parents. They'll say, good on you. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's the old misery loves company thing. Because if you live like this, full of envy, full of gossip, full of strife, slandering people, do you really have a joyful life? I submit to you, you're miserable. You really are. And your focus of your life has changed. No longer is your focus one with that broad perspective of, I have a heavenly creator that loves me that cares so much for me that he would send his son to grant me everlasting life. You don't get to bask in that knowledge. In fact, you say, I don't believe he's there. I'm going to worship this stick or that rock or whatever other thing that they choose to make their God. 
their automobile collection, their postage stamp collection. People make gods out of weird things in this culture. And the problem is they trade him in. And when you trade in God for any other God, God goes, all right, I'll let you do it, but I'm going to give you over to what's called a depraved mind. Depraved means deprived of his being there. It's like a removal of that part that is inwardly wired in all of us that we know there's someone greater out there. We don't actually have to prove God's existence. He said, I already made it apparent to all men, to all that is made. They can just look around and see somebody out there is bigger than them. I mean, you just look at the marvelousness of all of creation. You look at how complex even the little ecosystems are between certain plants and the bees. They have to have a certain bee that pollinates a certain plant. You don't have one, the other dies. In South America, they have a stingerless bee about a half an inch long. You guys probably like them better than the kinds with stingers. But those little stingerless bees are the only natural pollinators of the orchid that produces vanilla beans. I have vanilla growing at my house, but for years it grew and grew. It never made one stinking vanilla bean. I got some flowers. I looked at the flowers. What's wrong with this plant? It's never going to give me a bean. Then I had to study up and find out, you got to play bee. Open up flower, poke the little part from the one part into the other part and make the pollen go in the right spot. And if you get it right, and by the way, it's like a little teeny hole with like toothpick size. You get it right. Nine months from then, it's like waiting for a baby. You get this bean, a vanilla bean. Last year, we got 481. And oh, by the way, the window to pollinate, they say it's all morning long. That's baloney. It's one hour in Hawaii. Just from experience, there's about a one hour sweet spot where the flower is open enough and the pollen is easily transferred and you get it to work. So I look at that and think, God, you are amazing because without the regions that don't have that little bee, they don't get vanilla beans. They just don't. The marvelousness to me of God's creation, just in that very act that he made that bee to do that job, that bee lives off the pollen of just that orchid. The problem with professing to be wise and believing in this evolution theory is that there's too many gaps. Because evolution will tell you the plant came at this time, later on came the bee, and you find out that that plant wouldn't survive without that bee. So what's the Bible declare? God made them all on how many days? I mean, did he spread it out over billions of years? No. Because he knew it wouldn't work. There are so many codependencies, these remarkable relationships that we have between different creatures that they would all have to be there at the same time. And if I read the account in Genesis, God goes, oh, today I'm going to make all the animals. Poof. Before that, all the plants, poof, done. All the fish of the sea, done. He doesn't wait to put them in after millions of billions of years because the thing that lives off the other thing wouldn't be around and they would never evolve. That just, that's professing to be wise. Now share that in school today and you'll get poopod by some of the, quote, higher learning teachers. Challenge them on it and you, you got to be careful. And you know what's interesting to me is 
so wise they are in one discipline. They only study one discipline. And they don't even understand that the disciplines of math and science and physics, they all overlap. The knowledge is shared. It's not, well, we got the exclusive thing. My wife had to study years and years of chemistry to become a medical technologist. When you study lots and lots of chemistry, do you have to use math? You sure do. Because you mess up one math calculation, you can kill somebody. You know, when you're doing that laboratory stuff and people's lives depend on it, you better be good at both disciplines. But you can't dismiss the other's discipline just because you don't like it. And you can't say, well, I have this understanding and that's what stands and ignore. How about all those other things that are out there that we can learn? See, I don't believe we should do that. I think when you acknowledge the creator, it opens your mind up to see all of his creation. And that's what he wants for you. He doesn't mind blowing your mind because he's bigger than you. And if you've got a problem that we have a God that's bigger than us, that knows more than us, well, I'm sorry, but maybe you're just too proud. And maybe that verse from Habakkuk's for you, that your soul is not right within you. You need to humble yourself because it's okay to have a God bigger than us. Who wants to make a God I carved and is smaller than me? I made that. I'm going to worship it now as God. Answer me, oh God. You'd be looking at me like going, hoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. You're crazy. Worshiping the thing you just made. Let's don't make that mistake. The one that is not righteous has made that mistake, though. And a veil comes over their eyes. And then they begin to do things that are not right. You know, some people always want me to teach Romans chapter one, the last part about the sexual orientation. Did you see the women exchange the natural function? They exchanged something before that exchange. They exchanged the creator for his creation. Because if you serve the creator, how many of you can tell me the very first commandment in the Bible? Now, I just read you the 10 commandments, but they're not the first. They wouldn't come along till about 1400 BC with Moses, right? They're not the first. God spoke before that. Go to the book of Genesis. God makes Adam, sees it's not good for Adam to be alone, puts him to sleep, takes a rib, makes woman taken from man, presents her, Eve, to Adam, and, and puts him in a garden naked. Says they were not ashamed because there wasn't sin. Now, your perfect man with the perfect gal made just for you. Naked in a garden. Made by God. Paradise it was called. No thorns, no thistles. And the first command that God gave to mankind, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, Adam. You're in a garden, naked with a perfect woman. God is uptight about sex, isn't he? No. And the Lord gave that as the very first command, be fruitful and multiply. Now, whenever you don't acknowledge him as the creator, you're not going to follow his ways. He's the creator of life. He was giving to them an edict. I made you alive. Now you're going to make life. Life. This is command, his command to bring life. Jesus said it. I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. But when you don't acknowledge the creator, you don't acknowledge him even in his very first commandment. So you trade in his 
prototype for relationship and you replace it with your own. One that does not make life, by the way. If you ever have someone that you love that has adopted these lifestyles, you can talk to them all day long about their sexual orientation. You're not going to get anywhere. Because it's not a matter of their orientation down here. It's a matter, it's not on this horizontal plane, the orientation between others. That's the problem. Where's the real problem lie? In what we call the vertical relationship that we have between us down here and our creator. And they have already traded in his ways to something down there. Instead of worshiping him up there so that they have this correct, they worship something down here. And now everything is off. This is why they get into the, to this place. So don't waste your time talking about this. Talk about how are you with your creator? Have you exchanged him for anything down here? You really care about that friend of yours that's gay? Talk to them in love about a God who loves us and who loves them and died for, sent his son for them. Their sin just as much as ours. You're going to see, we're going to go farther in Romans. How many of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? All. Let's go to the root. The root is this vertical. And then if you get this aligned, guess what happens to all the stuff down here? See this, it levels out when this is on the right compass. Okay. Help them get to this right relationship. Go back to this basics. Say, hey. Let's don't miss out on the big picture. We got to worship the guy who created us. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Let him hear about God. What he's doing in your life. Let him know that he's still there. The creator is still active. He's still around. Because you'll encourage your faith more by that than any other thing you can do. The gift is for how many that believe? All. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Watching shadows lengthen I've done a lot of thinking Of all the love I'm missing By never loving you Really want to know you Take a chance and show you If I read
Actually adore me 